In these bleak days, humanity is at a breaking point. Economies are tanking. The woke mob is canceling everything. And the little guy who's just trying to run a small business is getting screwed from both ends. But not all is lost. Amidst the chaos, two men offer up their voices in the darkness, dropping 2,000-pound laser-guided truth bombs on today's lunacy. Introducing the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. Buddy, there it is. Again, we know that's not the 80s. In fact, it's two decades before the 80s, 1967, up, up, and away up, in my up beautiful book. Yeah, great song. The, yeah. fifth, uh, the fifth dimension. That was We actually danced to that back in, um, I think it was one of my original uh, dances at St. Pius the V. Um, Are these Chinese spies in my beautiful, beautiful balloon? It's also Good pretty stuff. much the fifth dimension, buddy, because that's where Joe Biden apparently goes for his foreign policy strategies. That is that is true. And apparently, uh, apparently there are other balloons that could be out there. There's some currently in the southern hemisphere, but we'll get to all that first. David Pridham and Brad Sheaf, we're back. We're right now well into the second month of the uh, new year. It's not even a new year anymore. It's just a year, uh, 2023. And of course, Brad, as always, everyone knows this. People stop me on the street. Random people, nuns in habits, children, school children, um, elderly people. And they say, you know what? You're part of the Prettyman Sheaf show and you mean business. I say, you're right. I do. And you also pee frequently. I do pee frequently. That is correct, Brad. And that's uh, one way you can learn more about us, of course. You can go to our website. IPfrequently.com. Follow us on Instagram, the um, the InstaFace, the Facebook, the Meta, where we just purchased a beautiful spread uh, and anywhere else, except for the TikTok, of course, because I just learned today that the governor of Texas, our great state of Texas, uh, the Lone Star State, some would say, um, he is banning the, the TikTok. So we'll have to get off it, of course. But uh, at IP underscore frequently is where you can uh, learn more about us. Brad posts daily uh, on the social media pictures, uh, um, images, uh, all sorts of stuff. And then, of course, for those of you who do the traditional podcast deal, uh, remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you uh, download us. You can get us anywhere. Um, and in particular, for the time being, on the Salem Podcast Network, although there is currently a bidding war between Salem and uh, and the uh, iHeartRadio folks. So very exciting stuff going on, Brad. And of course, this all just means more bank for your buck when it comes to the uh, Pritam and Chief Comedy Hour. Yeah, we will pass along the profits to our studio audience. I mean, we it's pretty easy to do at this point. Of course, Brad, we always start uh, where we left off on the show. And we start with the two or three or sometimes there are six, sometimes there are none the big news items of the week mm-hmm. that everyone has to be ready for, prepared for when they go into the new week, they write everything down. We say they parrot it back and, and they're usually pretty, uh, they're usually pretty, um, pretty well-received. And we have a lot of folks that have received promotions, um, unsolicited loans uh, from, from people. Uh, and, uh, and some people even got shares for some of the advice they've given. So that's uh, that, that's some of the feedback we've got. Mm-hmm. 
Precisely. So this week, Brad, the big news items of the week. We always start here. First, Brad, Groundhog Day. Pucks at Tawny Phil, uh, the big guy, Groundhog, who I believe is 140 years old, rivaling Jonathan the Turtle. Not quite there, mm-hmm. but uh, but uh, certainly living longer than Pin the uh, Vulture that was murdered at the Dallas Zoo. Uh, but uh, Pucks at Tawny Phil saw its uh, sh- shadow predicting six more weeks of vicious winter. Oh, and then God. immediately, immediately, um, Mount Washington in the uh, in the old uh, New England area recorded temperatures of minus 104 degrees, the lowest temperature ever recorded in the United States. Coincidence? Oh, I think not. I mean, one does not toy with Paxitani Phil. I mean, especially when he sees his shadow, darts back into his hole, and then proceeds to order all sorts of canned goods and bottled water. It's going to be a long winter. Yeah, it's hunkering down. I mean, the question I always had was, if he sees the shadow, doesn't that mean that the summer, that the, the, the spring and the summer is coming sooner? Well, you would obviously think so. not. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you would think so. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it is, and that's why you have to be a groundhog to fully comprehend all of the variables and then their repercussions. Mm-hmm. But listen, it's always a fun tradition. Next, Brad, uh, big news in international relations. Um, of course, the big Chinese weather balloon, uh, 60,000 feet above the U.S., was allowed to enter U.S. airspace through Canada and uh, just sort of meander <laughs> uh, out uh, across the plains, the Midwest, uh, through the Mid-Atlantic, and then out to sea where it was then blasted out of the sky by uh, President Joe Biden. I guess. It, it very interesting. Obviously, China is saying it's a weather balloon and uh, thus the up, up and away deal. Um, but I guess a couple of questions here. One, uh, something that large enters U.S. airspace and, you know, we don't do anything about it for a long period of time. It, I mean, it seems to me that's a that's a big problem. And then word comes out that this isn't the first balloon that's uh, traversed U.S. airspace uh, from a foreign um uh, power. It's happened before in Florida and Texas, uh, other parts of the country. It, it sort of begs the question, what the hell are our leaders doing and why wasn't this thing shot down the minute it crossed into U.S. Uh, US airspace? But I, yeah, I, I don't. I There are a couple things that I find troubling with this. I mean, that obviously being one, it's just ridiculous. If you're going to shoot the thing down. So, you know, from what I read, the Biden administration, who and, and who knows what the truth is, right? Because they're just going to lie and prevaricate and try to push the blame off on someone else and just, you know, concoct excuse after excuse for the fact that there appears to be just no one at the helm in this administration, right? But from what I read, they they claimed initially, they said, well, don't worry about the balloon. We knew the balloon was coming, right? So we saw it coming across the Pacific. And, you know, so we knew it was coming. And to me, that's not a good response, right? Because if you knew the balloon was coming, I I mean, I guess Joe just feels like no border should be important. The southern border, the northern border, our airspace, we should just act like we're not a sovereign nation, right? And that our territory, be it on the ground or our own airspace, just doesn't matter. And you can just come and go as you choose. Because I I would love to understand how if you knew this balloon was coming, you knew it was tracking towards North America and particularly the United States, that the moment it crossed out of international airspace and into U.S. controlled airspace, which would still be over the ocean, 
you don't just shoot it down and look at the Chinese and go, nope, we're not doing that. Like you want to send up weather balloons, that's fine, but you cannot send them here, right? And then of course we get word, no, it's not a weather balloon, it's a spy balloon. <laughs> don't worry about it because their satellites are actually better than their balloons and we have to deal with those all the time. I, apparently the Chinese don't think so. I mean, apparently the Chinese felt it was worth their while. And imagine how long it took Xi to just puff away on this thing. It was the size of three school buses. A guy's not putting that kind of effort into inflating a balloon unless he thinks it's got value. And so the Biden administration's response was, well, yeah, geez, look at this giant balloon that's coming right at us. Uh, <laughs> let's just wander, let it, we'll let it wander over the entire country. To include parts of Montana where nobody lives. I have been there, right? And I can tell you that the odds of anything falling from the sky and hitting a human being in Montana is low. We let it cruise all the way across the country until it gets to the very populated East Coast. And then when it's all done spying on America, then we shoot it down, right? So the lesson here is do not let Joe Biden take care of your cows because he will be the guy who classically shuts the barn door after they have all run out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's just some, some more feckless leadership, uh, terrible foreign policy. No one respect. I mean, they don't even respect our airspace anymore. Um, and that's, that's insane. This is not the first time it happened. I mean, how is it? We're just learning about this now. How is it? We can't see the thing. I mean, it's like big and white. It's the size of three, School buses, as my mother told me when she explained it to me. So it's um, it's rather it's rather large. And then you know, the the best part is it gets shot down, and China decides to fire the Chinese National Weather Service chief. In in in, in basically, you know, he didn't even know the balloon was up there. He's like, yeah. wait, huh? Well, that that's like firing the director of uh, of uh, our American cousin after Lincoln gets shot, right? I mean, yeah. what the fuck? I mean, I nothing to do with it, but uh, right. but but that's that's hysterical how China does this cover story, and now they say they're going to retaliate. But um, oh no, it, they're not going to shoot down our weather balloons, are they? Yeah, I mean, I don't even think Biden could. But only after they go all the way across China, so that gives us plenty of time to prepare for that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that thing would be uh, would be shot down the minute it left Japanese airspace. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. But you know, it's neither neither here nor there. Another uh, another week, another uh, poor uh, example for those of you taking notes. Poor example of the executive leadership, and then Biden won't take questions on that, of course, because it's so uh, it's so crazy. But maybe. Maybe, Brad, some of the information about the previous weather balloon, big white weather balloons, is in the um, is in the uh, the trove of documents that they found at this think tank in uh, uh, Philadelphia. But I'll, I'll say this: and the last thing about this for me is that what this does prove, after we learned about this weather balloon, is immediately getting all of the uh, all of the uh, the tweets. And the memes about the the balloon showing pictures of like, uh, you know, uh, various uh, messages written on the balloon. Some of them not appropriate for mixed company. Uh, others showing members of Congress who have weight issues just floating out in outer space. Um, just hysterical, hysterical stuff. But uh, to me, that's the biggest takeaway. Poor governmental leadership, but funny people on the Twitter. Well, yeah, I mean, and that if there's any reason for social media, and if you've been listening to this program for five minutes, you know that I don't 
do social media myself, but I have you and my daughters who will send me funny stuff when it comes up. So I'm sort of getting the best of social media without having to tolerate the rest of it. But my guess, buddy, is the reason that we didn't see the, the previous balloons is because the Chinese thought to themselves, well, hell, we better conceal them, right? Because the, the Americans will never put up with this. And they send them across. They're like, damn, they didn't even notice. And so they're just, you know, they're, they're at this point, it's become a game, right? They're like saying, well, let's, let's make it so huge and so bright white that there's no chance that they can miss it and see what they do. And I guarantee you that a lot of money was lost in China when the U.S. just said, well, hell, I mean, we're just going to let it come right in. We're going to let it float all the way across our missile sites, out over the eastern seaboard. And then when it's done all the damage it can do, at that point, we're going to pop it with an F-22 that shot a giant pin into the balloon. Thing went all over the Atlantic, bloop, into the ocean. And then, you know, the folks that were in charge of that debacle are now in charge of trying to recover the pieces of it. Good luck, good luck there. Yeah. Good luck yeah. there. I'm, I'm sure that's, that's, sure that's go going well. well. And they yeah. killed, they killed 15 tourists and a translator, by the way, when they put the pin in that balloon. Yeah. Well, that happens. I mean, you, you gotta be careful. I mean, anybody who's ever been around balloons knows you have to let the air out slowly or you have to really blow it up. Like, you know, just let it fly. Cause if you stick a pin in it, it's going to zip all around. It could take somebody's eye out. Mm-hmm. And of course that's what happened. Hey, listen, so I started using that app where you can go and text with uh, famous dead people, some of whom the are chat already, GPT, the chat GPT. And I'm in the middle of a thruple uh, text string with Benito Mussolini and Bing Crosby. How cool is that? Why are you drinking your Minute Maid orange juice? Everybody loves that. Some would say that Crosby had more of a mean streak than Mussolini. El Duce. Yeah. Well, that that could well be true. I mean, he, uh, you know, as is the case with all of the previous Hollywood icons, you know, they're now that they're all dead, people are taking pot shots at him. Certainly Bing Crosby falls into that category. Benito Mussolini don't really take a pot shot at him. He sort of opened himself up for, you know, any number of areas of, of criticism with his approach to life. But I'm sure, buddy, that you've got a, uh, you know, you've got an interesting dialogue going on there. You've got a crooner, you've got a tyrant. And uh, and yourself, yeah. And who and who doesn't love orange juice? I mean, listen. Did Bing Crosby have some questionable parenting techniques? Yes, yes. He was a horrible father, but he loved golf. He loved golf, Brad. And orange juice. He, I'm sure he gave his kids some orange juice. What yeah. more do you need to do? That's debatable. I'm sure he was paid well for those spots, but listen, that's neither here nor there. Next, Brad, we've got a couple of more. We started with the balloon, and that was at 60,000 feet. <clears throat> and so we talked about that. We've got a couple of more uh, extraterrestrial updates that uh, we'd like to, 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 to bring to the attention of our um, listenership. And, and in fact, we have a lot of folks who are just – there are two things they do in life. They look at the sky – and they listen to this podcast. So that's all they do. That's their whole life. They'll listen to the podcast and then go back to staring at the sky. So this week, Brad, a couple of interesting um, deals that are going on in outer space. First, uh, a rare green comet, Comet C-2022E3. Uh, for those of you making notes, C-2022E3 has now traveled billions of miles through the solar system. And it's making its closest trip past Earth in 50,000 years. Uh, this comet C-22-2022 E3 is also known as the Green Comet, and it is the first time it will be seen visible from the Earth since the age of the Neanderthals. 
uh, which I believe is the 1960s. Hmm. Um, Still doesn't have enough miles to get the uh, Amtrak Million Mile Club like Joe it, Biden has. It arguably does not, but it might, uh, you know, it, it maybe, uh, who, who knows? But it, listen, this thing has not been visible since the Ice Age. Um, it is, uh, you know, passing close to Earth as we speak the first week of uh, February. It's going to be about 26 million miles from Earth. And it was discovered, Brad, in March of 2022, hence the name, the Green Comet. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. Uh, since it would be around St. Patrick's Day, you might have gone, you might have been a little more creative and called it the St. Patrick's Comet or Patty's Comet. Uh, but I guess the green comet is fine. Is it actually green in color? Uh, I believe it could be, Brad. And in fact, it was first spotted by the Zwicky Transient Facility in, in California. Um, when you uh, when, when they were asked where to look, uh, they said towards the sky in the morning. And <laughs> to the to the to the question, Thank you, Mr. Scientist, to the question of will it be visible to the naked eye, Brad? They responded, possibly. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, these guys are great. That's mm-hmm. a hey, listen. The, the folks at Zawicki don't screw around. No. Yeah. If you want to see the comet, look up. Okay. Well, if I do that, will I be able to see it? Uh, you could maybe, be. maybe. Yeah. Well, that's that's helpful. Hopefully, I, there's a lot of uh, government grant money going out to the Zwickies and their very helpful observations. Uh, and then, Brad, one other update. We promised to uh, keep people apprised um, on asteroids that uh, could impact the uh, future of all of mankind. And in fact, uh, you know, Earth as we know it, right? The Earth as we know it, right, mm-hmm. is potentially uh, impacted by this. We, I, I give you asteroid 2023 BU. It has uh, apparently brushed the Earth's atmosphere. Uh, it uh, spotted it was spotted by scientists first uh, earlier this year, and it came within um, you know, several million miles of the Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, rest assured, Brad, that rest assured that it looks like we're um, we're in good shape because it didn't kill us all when it when it passed by. It could have smashed into the Earth, but it did not. Right. It did right. not. Yeah. As we far have the as folks at uh, Zwicky to thank for that. Missed us by a couple million miles. Yeah, the Zwicky Zwicky folks are monitoring it, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. They they are uh, they're they're basically on that wall because you don't want to get up there. Well, no, there are asteroids up there. True. True. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's it. So anyway, it looks like we're in pretty uh, we're in pretty good shape with regard to the whole asteroid thing. But again, there are others coming towards the uh the uh the earth and there are others brad that are apparently skyrocketing towards the sun yeah i don't think the sun cares about that no no, no it doesn't it just eats those asteroids but apparently this asteroid 2023 bu uh we don't have to uh, really worry about that again until december 6 2036 according to the center for near earth object studies uh, which says at that point it could smash into the uh, the uh, the earth. And I, you know, I saw a study recently that uh, actually simulated some of this stuff. So it simulated what would happen when an asteroid of this size hits the earth. And it was talking about two and a half mile waves hitting uh, 
you know, the Gulf Coast of Florida, Mississippi and Alabama. So I, I would think a wave that's two and a half miles tall is not what we're looking for. No, no. In fact, you would have to be here where I am in order to uh, to survive such a thing. And then, you know, it's simple after that. And the wave just sort of washes back out to sea. People open up their shops and restaurants again. You know, you might have to sponge mop or, you know, something of that nature. But once the wave washes back out to sea, we'll be all set. So, I, you know, I would not worry about it. You get some great shells up there in the Berkshires. Yeah. No, no, that's exactly right. If you're up here, you're fine, even with two and a half mile waves. Yeah. You're yeah not, you're, though, you need some floaties. You're two and a half miles high, although you'll get a nice little, you get a nice little surge there for a minute. Then it'll go right out. And, yeah. Beachfront know. property for you know, five, 10 minutes. That was the plot of Superman with uh, Gene Hackman, by the way, but I'm not going to go there, Brad. Uh, next, uh, we always try to, I know a lot of people are traveling again because of the uh, pandemic. And so uh, one of the things we try to do is help you when you're out and about or out and about, as the Canadians would say, mm-hmm. in terms of how to relate to other people, right? And, and uh, one of the uh, uh, big faux pas are people going into a restaurant or a uh, another facility and mispronouncing types of wine. In fact, the Center for Wine Studies, Brad, has said mm-hmm. that many people are, um, in fact, most people uh, pronounce the names of wine incorrectly. And so a new uh, study from the group at uh, Preply has found that the most mispronounced wine names in the world include Pinot Noir, Mm-hmm. I could see where people would screw that up. Yep. Many people say peanut nor. Good. Yep. Savignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. People who know Savignon or something, I, I guess. Uh, and of course, Pinot Grigio. There's that word Pinot again. Mm. I guess Pinot Grigio is the type. Uh, so, but uh, the, these are these are different types of wine that uh, uh, people screw up. So I'm going to ask you, mm-hmm. um, are there any wines in terms of pronunciation that you have difficulty with? And if so, maybe I can help you. I have a hard time, but maybe you can help me out here. I, I know it's one of your mom's favorites with the Kendall Jackson. That's that, actually that pronounced, it's pronounced Ripple. Ripple. Oh, okay. So a lot, many of those letters are silent. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Would, you would go into a store, you'd say, Bonjour, Garçon. Uh, uh, any ripple, ripple, and then you say it louder if they don't immediately respond. Right. Well, that is the thing that people need to understand. I mean, listen, I don't care how you pronounce the wines. If if you just say it slowly and loudly, whatever language you're trying to emulate, your words will will begin to increasingly sound just like you are fluent in that language, right? So if you are in a restaurant and you say, "Yes, I'd like a." tall, cool glass of peanut grigio, then when they look at you and as though they don't understand, then you just say peanut grigio. And then, I mean, you may have to do it one more time, a little louder and a little slower, but after that, you're going to get it for sure. It works in any country. Yeah. And then worst case, if, if they don't respond to that, throw out, do you know who I am? Something like that. Yeah. Right. I, Yeah. I, you work for me. You have your job because of me. What's the matter? Are you stupid? Any phrase like that is very likely to get you that refreshing glass of wine you've been looking for. 
Yeah, certainly something warm and yellow. Um, next, Brad, the Biden watch. A lot going on this week, of course. But the uh, latest batch of polling is in. Um, and in particular, some polls that took into account the president's deft handling of the uh, Chinese weather balloon fiasco. And uh, in particular, the Associated Press has a new poll out that's asked Americans you know, several questions about our fearless leader. Uh, for example, uh, when asked, do you want when, when asked in terms of just Democrats, right, a subgroup, how many Democrats want uh, what percent of Democrats want uh, Biden to run again in 2024? Thirty seven percent said, yes, we do want him to run again. And uh, more than 50 percent said, no, uh, we don't. That's Democrats. Okay, mm-hmm. that's not that's Democrats. And mm-hmm. then um, in that same AP poll, when asked uh, of all Americans, uh, not regardless of party affiliation, uh, what do you uh, think uh, the president has accomplished? And they're given several different options. The uh, the selection, little or nothing. Uh, was selected by 62% of all those polled in the uh, AP poll. Um, and uh, uh, it's essentially interesting. The the Democratic number of 37% is down 20% since October. And soon thereafter, there was a uh, uh, an ABC News Washington Post poll, which uh, asked the same question about what the president's accomplished. And in that poll, 67% of Americans say little or not very much. So uh, it seems to me that these type of results are not exactly what an incumbent's looking for when he or she, he or she is headed towards a re-election, even when they're going at a glacial pace. Yeah, but it's, it's not good. If you're working for Joe Biden, you're going to want to buff up that resume. Because I'm thinking you may, you know, be looking for an alternative means of feeding yourself in the in the near term, and all that's fine. But I, I guess my question is, who would Democrats want to see run, right? Like you can't really ask this of all Americans because you broaden things out too far. But I, I'm just given that we are a two party system for better or for worse. Given that those two parties are in fact the Democrats and the Republicans. If you're a Democrat and you don't want Joe Biden to run, I totally get that. Were I you know, a member of the Democratic Party, I would not want Joe Biden to run either, but I would be hard pressed to pick someone I would want to run. I mean, Kamala Harris, ah, I mean, that, that you, you, immediately you're blown by that <clears throat> alternative. I, where do you go from there? Buttigieg? I, I, I mean, he's just a dope. I, I, where do you go? I don't know. But here, here is some when you start peeling back the poll, you see that, uh, you know, some other questions are sort of interesting. So they were asked all all respondents were asked uh, if uh, Biden ran for a second term, how would they feel? Thirty um, percent of everyone said they would be angry. Thirty two percent. They wouldn't be angry, but they'd be extremely dissatisfied. Throw themselves <laughs> off a bridge. <laughs> Throw themselves off a, a bridge. And then they asked the same questions about Trump. And there were a lot more angry people, less. Um, uh, I think 36 percent said they would be very angry if Trump won four more years, while 20 percent said that they would be extremely dissatisfied. So similar similar numbers there. Um, but at the end of the day, and then Trump, of course, went on social media and blasted this whole thing. Yeah. But. It seems to me that at the end of the day, we're in charge of who 
runs, right? We can go and, 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 and vote and make that happen. And, you know, not everyone, Brad, makes the money we do by critiquing these leaders and gets the benefit of the comedic uh, results. So it would seem to me that it would behoove people to go and vote. But now we've been we, we spent a lot of time telling people to do that uh, last year and none of them did. So yeah. maybe we just drop it. You got to vote. You got to do it. If you don't change the government, what you're saying is I really like how things are going. And I talk to no one who likes how things are currently going, right? And, and I live in a place that's, you know, very ecumenical in terms of politics. People come from all over to, you know, hang out here and do their winter vacation. So you, you talk to a, a fairly broad diversity of folks and no one is thrilled with the way things are going, which I totally get. I'm not either. You're not. No one listening to the show is. But you would think if that were the case, then what you would see at the polls is whoever is currently in power being you know, pushed to the side and you know, let's try somebody new. But that's not what happened. Yeah, I, I think I think that's right. And of course, you leave it to the former president to put this all into context. Trump was not pleased with the latest poll results responding that it was, quote, fake news. And then he said, for all of my many supporters and the number is high, higher than ever, I am pleased to report that our poll numbers are excellent. So there you go. There it is. <laughs> Trump does his own poll. Wakes up yeah. in the morning. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give myself about an 89 percent approval rating. So we'll play some damn golf. <laughs> Man of the people. <laughs> I get out of my silk pajamas and get into my golf clothes. Yeah, see, silk pajamas I'm not a big fan of. They catch on things. They catch. Do they? No, I don't know. What I've kind of had, things? I mean, I've I never like had, never external or internal. Well, it could be both. Uh, next, Brad, the RIP report. A couple of tragedies to report this week. First, um, Brad, one of your uh, favorite world leaders from the 9-11 um, time period, Former Pakistani President Perez Musharraf passed away in a, a palatial mansion in Dubai after years in exile. Um, Brad, what's your favorite Perez Musharraf story? Uh, I'm going to be hard pressed on that one. I mean, as you point out, much like Trump was a man of the people, you know, all over Pakistan, you've got troubles, especially in the uh, in the regions there along uh, the mountainous west. They like to call it in Pakistan, uh, but uh, old Perez, he never, never seemed to let that trouble him. He, uh, you know, took what he could and headed back to his palace. My favorite story is during the during the 2000 election, Bush uh, was, was the governor of Texas, and he had he let somebody come down from like MSNBC or something to interview him yeah. at the at the state capitol here in Austin, and so the guy starts asking him questions, right? You know, about about you know, global politics and stuff. And Bush clearly it's, it's apparent within 10 seconds that he has none of these answers, right? None of these answers, but he also didn't have the gravitas to just push this off and say, listen, I'm not going to be here to take a quiz. I'm more interested in working for the American people, all this stuff. So mm. he, he tried to answer the questions and they said, and they finally get to one that he thought he could answer. It was who is uh, who's in charge of Pakistan. Who's the president of Pakistan. And he said, well, it's that general guy, and the and the and the and the smart Alec uh, interviewer said, "Well, yeah, what do you call him?" And Bush looks to his left, looks to his right, and he goes, "Well, I just call him General," and <laughs> <laughs> and it went downhill from there. But uh, obviously, yeah. Perez Musharraf um, uh, 
gone too soon, Brad, gone too soon. Uh, and then also Dick, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Harry Whittington, Harry, there's a, no, there's a, this is, there's a, there's a, Dick, don't, no, no, don't jump ahead of yourself. Cause it will All come right. here. All right. Harry Whittington, Brad, a Texas lawyer passed away uh, this week. And obviously he is known for being shot in the face by Dick Cheney in a honey oh, accident about uh, okay, here we 20 go. some right. odd years ago. So uh, Harry Whittington shot by Dick Cheney um, and uh, he only made it to 95. Yeah. Well, listen, we should all run out and get shot by Dick Cheney. If you can make it to 95, wouldn't you? Yeah. He had like a lot of buckshot on his, uh, they were out hunting birds, I think. Yeah. Well, as they always say, I would rather go hunting with Dick Cheney than, uh, you know, driving with uh, old Ted Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And he ended up apologizing to Cheney. Um, For getting his face in the way of Cheney's his- hunting uh, shotgun. Yeah, well, that's basically yeah. what he uh, what he did. He was a good he was a good Republican, Harry Winnington, Brad. Gone too soon at 95. Yeah, indeed. Uh, next, Brad, we give you the latest on the 2024 election. Of course, you and I were so successful galvanizing the vote in 2022 that we're going to do it again. And uh, listen, this is a big presidential election. Brad has already announced that uh, Biden should be uh, replaced with Joe Manchin on this uh uh, on this, uh, anybody named Joe, I really don't care as long as it's not Biden. Yeah. Well, anyway, there is a new report at one of the things we do is we look to the future as we uh, also have to study the past, the Columbia journalism review of the, uh, obviously Columbia university is out and it is, um, taking a look, has taken a look at the, uh, 2016 campaign and in particular, the whole Russian collusion claim. And actually to their credit, the folks at the, uh, um, Columbia, uh, journalism review have trashed the media's coverage of that campaign. And in particular, the fact that, uh, this steel dossier, which was funded by the Clinton campaign, uh, was allowed to leak out and sort of become news uh, when none of it was verified. None of it turned out to be to be true. Uh, and so Trump has come out and he's sort of waved this around and you know using this as a rallying cry. But I think more importantly, we are now seeing some of these mainstream media outposts like Columbia. I mean, Columbia University is a liberal university. They have now come out and attacked the way the uh, media handled the 2016 election. Bob Woodward, who's another left-leaning journalist from the Washington Post, uh, has come out and said much of the same thing. He has come out and basically said, listen, when that dossier was circulating through Washington, D.C., he warned the Washington Post about it. Um, he, he he said it was not handled well at all, and it, it uh, was very unfair. And this is the type of stuff that uh, you know we were saying six years ago. So it's, it seems like there's a lot of uh, folks who previously weren't talking are now coming out and saying, you know, the, some of the stuff that went on in 2016 shouldn't have happened, in particular, this whole Russian collusion narrative, which was allowed to allowed to fester and then be publicized without any proof whatsoever, as opposed to something like this crazy Hunter Biden laptop, which was completely suppressed and turned out to be 100 percent true. So I think people are seeing this double standard. But what does it say about the state of our media now that uh, it's taken this long for some voices to come out and say this is nuts? Well, it's taken this long for most voices to come out and say this is nuts, right? I mean, there were certainly 
you know, small slivers of the media that were constantly banging the drum saying, hey, there's nothing to this Russian collusion thing. It's going to sh- sh- prove to be the case. And of course it did. Those same slivers were the ones that were saying, hey, you know, this Hunter Biden laptop, this is the real deal. This is incredibly damning. And, you know, of course, it turned out to be true. But we don't have an independent media anymore. I mean, that's what this means. right? The reason that this stuff is coming out now that you've got left leaning journalism schools and you've got left leaning media production companies who are now, you know, six, seven years after the fact coming out and saying, hey, you know, should have done a better job with this steel dossier thing. And oh my goodness, you know, MSNBC is pleased to report in 2023 that the Hunter Biden laptop is real. No kidding. And it's because that narrative has lost its ability to get those folks where they want to go, right? I mean, it's old news. People don't care anymore. They've moved past it. And so it's now safe to come out and say, wait a minute, you know, maybe we didn't do a good enough job. No one that I'm aware of is saying, hey, what should we do about it, right? How should we rectify some of these problems that we are, you know, now six, seven years later coming out and identifying? No one is taking the next step to say, well, this and this is what we are going to do to ensure it doesn't happen again, because it is clearly going to happen again. That's one of the things I'm sort of waiting around for is what's going to be the completely made up narrative for the 2024 election cycle. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, the the fact that anyone listens to the media and accepts what they say, one side or the other is crazy. And the problem is there's no one else to listen to. Yeah. I, 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 other than our very fine program. Correct. I mean, our program is where you should be listening. You know, you know what, you know, I found interesting with all this is that we've we've been talking obviously about the Kennedy assassination, how they killed Kennedy, the the government. And what they did is they appointed this whole Warren commission, which was just a sham from the start, but it had, it had a, you know, Earl Warren, who was the chief justice of the Supreme court and had a sterling reputation. So we have this rush. Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren, Warren, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Just all the Warrens they could find on that commission. Correct. All of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hence the name. Yeah. So anyway, we digress, but what's important is this was a whitewash committee that didn't even look at the Zabruder film, right? It didn't, wasn't interested in the truth. You know, you flash forward 50 some odd years, 60 years, and you've got the Mueller report and the Mueller thing. And the Mueller thing was the same crap. It was, you know, they should have looked at this. Any real lawman would have looked at this and in five minutes said, this is all bullshit. This is crazy. This is, this is uh, made up. Um, And instead that lunatic spent, you know, over a year and, you know, tens of millions of dollars to come up with a report that said nothing and was more interested about how upset Trump became when they were investigating something that was completely made up uh, and trying to call that uh, obstruction of justice, which there was no justice in that process to begin with. And again, I'm not defending Trump, um, but I'm just saying, you know, the whole premise was was bogus. And so you've got these two commissions, 60 some odd years apart with reputable, at least at the time, heads of the commission that were completely formed to whitewash the truth and to come up with a, with a separate narrative. And, you know, quite frankly, the media still hasn't called out the Warren report on any of its deficiencies. And the Mueller report is is much the same way. I mean, it's all garbage, but the history of the government appointing these quote unquote blue ribbon panels to, uh, you know, give us insight into what really happened is, 
a another way for saying we're going to just cover up the truth. Well, yeah, or or shade it in such a way that you know people are satisfied by what we say and move on. Uh, next, Brad, uh, really quickly, we don't have much time left, but I have three feel-good stories from the world of animals that I oh. think you'd love. First, Brad, first, the two tamarind monkeys missing from the Dallas Zoo. Of course, all that chaos going out of the Dallas Zoo with mm-hmm. dead vultures and the leopard running around and that panda bear that got loose. Now, Brad, two tamarind monkeys were found Um uh, they were in an abandoned home near the zoo. Of course, it's in a rundown neighborhood. And there is a person of interest sought in the kidnapping or the monkey napping of those tamarind monkeys. So that's good. They've been, they've been returned. Uh, Bobby, the farm dog, Brad, um, he is a Portuguese pooch. Bobby is the oldest dog uh, in history. Uh, recently <laughs> celebrated a birthday. Bobby is 31 human years old uh, and is still healthy enough to enjoy playing with his four cat friends. So Bobby, the uh, Portuguese dog from Portugal, beautiful red dog. Um, it's 30 years born in 1992. Oof. Oh, yeah, that's 217 dog years, buddy. That's old. Yeah. Okay. We are. So we've got an old dog there. And then finally, Brad, no um, new tricks. For Bobby at this point. No, just cats. Just no. cats. Mm-hmm. Finally, Brad, we've got uh from the uh world of the oceans, the sea. Um uh recently uh a 19-foot-long great white shark decapitated a diver uh as the diver right. harvested shellfish off the coast of uh Mexico. Um this was uh, the diver was harvesting axe tripe, which is a type of mollusk. Brad mm-hmm. um, and eyewitness Jose Bernal said, quote, he was diving when the animal attacked him impressively, ripping off his head and taking both his shoulders, end quote. So there it is, Brad, a um, little bit uh, from the zoo, a little bit from the farm and then a little bit from the sea. Hey, buddy, I, I like all that. I mean, I'm glad the, the monkeys are back. As you recall from last week, they had very fine mustachios. And uh, (laughs) folks love to see that at the Dallas Zoo. I'm a little incredulous that this dog is actually 31 people years old, but you know what? Tip of the cap. You don't believe it? You don't buy it? Well, I I mean, buddy, that is incredibly old for that. That's like twice as old as any other dog I've ever heard of. It's very rare that you run into a dog that's 15 years old let alone 31. So I, you know, I don't know, maybe there's something in the water there in Portugal. Bobby, the Bobby, the Portuguese dog. This is, he's got, if you look at this article, dog. Brad, he's got a certificate. He has a certificate. Well, I mean, that's, uh, that's really all you need is probably came out of the steel dossier. I mean, that's all you need to know. Yeah. And then the lesson from the shark is listen, if you're the ax tripe, pay the protection money. Yeah. Right. I mean, there you are hunkered down trying to do your mollusk thing and you got to deal with these human beings coming down to ripping you right out of your neighborhood, probably eating. Yeah. I don't know exactly what you do with an ax tripe, but then, you know, there's the 19 foot great white swims by and says, Hey, listen, listen, you just need to pay me here. Right. I'll take care of you. I'll make sure nothing bad happens to you. And that's it. That's what you pay the protection money to the great white and look at what happens. Not just the head my friend, but impressively, impressively, it was pointed out, took the shoulders as well. Well, listen, my favorite part of the whole thing is Jose Bernal, 
who is watching it is going, he was diving when the animal attacked him, impressively ripping off his head and shoulders. I mean, that is, listen, some people would be stunned to uh, see Jose. something like that. Not Jose. And I, first of all, how are Jose you? I was mean, impressed. What's interesting is that Jose witnessed this whole thing, but these axe tripe are usually 36 to 59 feet underwater. So was Jose a part of this? Was there a conspiracy? Was there a missing uh, magic bullet type deal? Listen, well, there you have it, folks. I'm just telling you. Do. Not much more we can do here. Yeah, bro. there's not much more we can do here, but we'll come up with something more to do between now and next week when you will find us right back here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome. <laughs>